Chapter Seven of At the Foot of the Rainbow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. At the Foot of the Rainbow by Jean Stratton Porter. Chapter Seven. The Apple of Discord becomes a jointed rod. What do you think about fishing, Danny? Asked Jimmy Malone. There was a licked frost last nicht, said Danny. It begins to look that way. I should think a week more, especially if there should come a good rain. Jimmy looked disappointed. His last trip to town had ended in a sodden week in the barn and at Danny's cabin. For the first time he had carried whiskey home with him. He had insisted on Danny drinking with him and wanted to fight when he would not. He addressed the bottle and Danny as the sovereign alchemist by turns and transmuted the leaden metal of life into pure gold of a glorious drunk until his craving was satisfied then he came back to work and reason one morning and by the time mary was about enough to notice him he was jimmy at his level best and doing more than he had in years to try and interest and please her mary had fully recovered and appeared as strong as she ever had been but there was a noticeable change in her she talked and laughed with a gaiety that seemed forced and in the midst of it her tongue turned bitter and jimmy and danny fled before it the gray hairs multiplied on danny's head with rapidity he had gone to the doctor and to Mary's sister, and learned nothing more than the nurse could tell him. Danny was willing to undertake anything in the world for Mary, but just how to furnish the vital spark to an unborn babe was too big a problem for him. And Jimmy Malone was growing to be another. Heretofore, Danny had borne the brunt of the work and all of the worry. He had let Jimmy feel that his was the guiding hand. Jimmy's plans were followed whenever it was possible, and when it was not, Danny started Jimmy's way and gradually worked around to his own. But there had never been a time between them when things really came to a crisis, and Danny took the lead and said matters must go a certain way, that Jimmy had not acceded. In reality, Danny always had been the master. Now he was not. Where he lost control he did not know. He had tried several times to return to the subject of how to bring back happiness to Mary, and Jimmy immediately developed symptoms of another attack of heart disease, a tendency to start for town, or openly defied him by walking away yet jimmy stuck to him closer than he ever had and absolutely refused to go anywhere or to do the smallest piece of work alone sometimes he grew sullen and morose when he was not drinking and that was very unlike the gay jimmy sometimes he grew wildly hilarious as if he were bound to make such a racket that he could hear no sound save his own voice so long as he stayed at home helped with the work and made an effort to please mary danny hoped for the best but his hopes never grew so bright that they shut out an awful fear that was beginning to loom in the future but he tried in every way to encourage Jimmy, and to help him in the struggle he did not understand, so when he saw that Jimmy was disappointed about the fishing, he suggested that he should go alone. "'I guess not,' said Jimmy. "'I'd rather go to confession than go alone. What's the fun of fishing alone? All the fun there is to fishing is to watch the other fellow's eyes when you pull in a big one, and to try to hide yours from him when he gets it. I guess not. What have we got to do?' "'Finish cutting the corn, and get in the pumpkins before there comes frost enough to hurt them.' well come along said jimmy let's get it over i'm going to begin fishing for that bass the morning after the first black frost if i do go alone i mean it but you said began danny hagany cried jimmy what a lot of time you've wasted if you've been capin' account of all the things i've said haven't you learned by this time that i lie twice to the truth once danny laughed dinna say such things jimmy i hate to hear you of course i know about the fifty coons of the canniper and things like that honest i dinna believe ye could help it but no man need lie about a serious matter and when he knows he is deceiving another who trusts him jimmy became so white that he felt the color receding and turned to hide his face 
of course about those fifty coons knew what was the harm in that nobody believed it that wasn't a deceiving any ain yes but it was answered jimmy the boston man believed it and i guess he hasn't forgiven me if he did take my hand and drink with me you know i haven't a word from him about that coonskin i worked awful hard on that skin some way i tried to make it say to him again that i was sorry for that night's work sometimes i am afraid i killed the fellow oh ho scoffed danny men ain't so easily killed i've been thinking about it too and i'll tell you what i think i think he goes on long trips and only gets home every four or five months that package would have to wait his folks wouldn't a try to send it after him he was a munly fellow all ricked and you will hear from him yet i'd like to said jimmy absently beating across his palm a spray of goldenrod he had broken just a line to tell me that he don't bear malice you will get it said danny have a little patience but that's your greatest fault jimmy you never did have only patience oh for god's sake don't begin on me faults again snapped jimmy i reckon i know me faults about as well as the next fellow i'm so doom full of faults that i've thought a lot lately about filling up and taking a sleep on the railroad a new fear wrung danny's soul you and never jimmy he implored sure not cried jimmy i'm no good catholic livin but if it came to dyin bedad i'd never could face it without first confessin to the priest and that would give the game away let's cut out dyin and cut the corn that's ricked agreed danny and let's work like men and then fish for a week or so before ice and trappin time comes again i'll wager i can beat you the first row bait scoffed jimmy bait with them club-footed fingers of yours you couldn't bait an egg just watch me if you are enough of a watch to keep your hands running at the same time jimmy worked feverishly for an hour and then he straightened and looked about him on the left lay the river its shores bordered with trees and bushes behind them was deep wood before them lay their open fields sloping down to the bottom the cabins on one side and the kingfisher embankment on the other there was a smoky haze in the air as always the blackbirds clamored along the river some crows followed the workers at a distance hunting for grains of corn and over in the woods a chewink scratched and rustled among the deep leaves as it searched for grubs from time to time a flock of quail arose before them with a whirr and scattered down the fields reassembling later at the call of their leader from a rider of the snake fence which enclosed the field bob bob white whistled danny bob bob white answered the quail i got my eye on that fellow said jimmy when he gets a little larger i'm going after him seems an awful pity to kill him said danny people rave over the lark but i vow i'd miss the quail most if they were both gone they are getting scarce well i didn't say i was going to kill the whole flock said jimmy i was just going to kill a few for mary and if i don't somebody else will mary didn't need anything better than any of her own fried chicken said danny and it's no true about hunters we've the river on ain side and the bluff on the other if we keep up our fishing signs and add hunting to them and just shut the other fellows out the birds will come here like everything wild gathers in national park out west you bet things know where they are taken care of well enough jimmy sniffed a spray of purple ironwort with his corn cutter and stuck it through his suspender buckle i think that would be more fun than killing him if you're decent shot and your gun is clean jimmy remembered the crow that had escaped with the eggs at soap making you pretty well know you're going to bring down anything you aim at but it would be a dandy joke to shell a little corn as we husk it and to toll all the quail into rainbow boom and then cape with the other fellows out bedad let's do it jimmy addressed the quail quaily quaily on the fence we think your singing's just immense stay right here and live with us and the fellow that shoots you will strike a fuss we can protect them all ricked enough laughed danny and when the snow comes we can feed the cardinals like chickens wish when we'd thrashed we'd saved a few sheaves of the wheat they do that in germany you know 
the last sheaf of the harvest they put up on a long pole at christmas and as a thank offering to the birds for their care of the crops my father often told of it that would be great said jimmy now look how dom slow you are why didn't you mention it at harvest i'd like things coming for me to take care of them gee makes me feel important just to think about it next year we'll do it sure they'd be a lot of company a man could work in this field to-day with all the flowers around him and the colors of the leaves like a garden and a lot of birds talking to him and not feel afraid of being alone afraid quoted danny in amazement for an instant jimmy looked startled then his love of proving his point arose yes afraid he repeated stubbornly afraid of being away from the sound of a human voice because when you are the voices of the black devils of conscience come twisting up from the ground in a little wiry whisper and moaning among the trees and whistling in the wind and rolling in the thunder and above all in the dark they screech and shout and roar we're after you jimmy malone we've almost got you jimmy malone you're going to burn in hell jimmy malone jimmy leaned toward danny and began in a low voice but he grew so excited as he tried to picture the thing that he ended in a scream and even then danny whose horrified eyes failed to recall him jimmy straightened stared wildly behind him and over the open hazy field where the flowers bloomed and birds called and the long rows of shocks stood unconscious auditors of this strange scene he lifted his hat and wiped the perspiration from his dripping face with the sleeve of his shirt and as he raised his arm the corn cutter flashed in the light my god it's awful danny it's so awful i can't begin to tell you danny's face was ashen jimmy dear old fellow he said how long has this been going on a million years said jimmy shifting the corn cutter to the hand that held his hat that he might moisten his fingers with saliva and rub it across his parched lips jimmy dear danny's hand was on jimmy's sleeve have you been to town in the night or anything like that lately no danny dear i ain't sneered jimmy setting his hat on the back of his head and testing the corn cutter with his thumb this ain't casey's me lad i've no more call there at this minute than you have it is casey's just the same said danny bitterly didn't you know the end of this sort of thing no be dad i don't said jimmy if i knew any way to end it you can bet i'd had enough i'd end it quick enough if i knew how but the railroad won't be in the end that would just be the beginning keep close to me danny and talk for mercy's sake talk do you think we could finish the corn by noon let's try said danny as he squared his shoulders to adjust them to his new load then we'll get in the pumpkins this afternoon and bury the potatoes and the cabbages and the turnips and then we're a boot fixed for winter we must take one day and gather our nuts suggested jimmy struggling to make his voice sound natural and you forgot the apples we must bury them too that's so said danny and when that's over we'll have nothing left to do but catch the bass and say farewell to the kingfisher i've already told you that i would relieve you of all responsibility about the bass said jimmy and when i do you won't need trouble to make your adieus to the kingfisher of the wabash he'll be one bird that won't be migrating this winter danny tried to laugh i'd like fall as much as any season of the year he said if it wasn't for the winter coming next i thought you liked winter and the trampin in the white woods and trappin and the long evenings with the book i do said danny i must have been thinking of mary she hated last winter so of course i had to go home when you were away and the nicks were so long so cold and many of them alone i wonder if we can arrange for one of her sister's gals to stay with her this winter what's the matter with me asked jimmy nothing if only you'd stay answered danny all i'll be out of nights you could put in one eye said jimmy i went last winter and before because when they clamored too loud i could be driving out the devils that way for a while and you always came for me but even that won't be stopping it now i wouldn't stick my head out alone after dark not if i was dying jimmy you never felt that way before said danny tell me what happened this summer to start you 
i've done a dumb sight of failin that you didn't know anything about answered jimmy i could work it off at casey's for a while but this summer things sort of came to a head and i saw myself for fair and before god danny i didn't like me looks well then i like ye looks said danny ye are the best company i ever was in ye are the only man i ever knew that i cared for and i care for ye so much i have no the way to tell ye how much you're possessed with a damn full idea jimmy and ye got to shake it off such a great-hearted big man as you i want to have it there's the dinner bell and ricked glad i'm i of it that afternoon when pumpkin gathering was over and jimmy had invited mary out to separate the punk from the pumpkins there was a wagon load of good ones above what they would need for their use danny proposed to take them to town and sell them to his amazement jimmy refused to go along i told you this morning that casey wasn't calling me at present he said and when i am not called i best not answer i've promised mary to top the onions and bury the celery and murder the baits do what with the baits inquired the puzzled danny kill em kill em stone dead i'm too tender-hearted to be burying anything but a dead bait danny but laugh like i knew you would old ramphorinkus no thank you i don't go to town then danny was scared he's going to be dreadfully seek or go mad he said so he drove to the village sold the pumpkins filled mary's order for groceries and then went to the doctor and told him of jimmy's latest developments it's the drink said the worthy disciple of esculpius it's the drink in time it makes a fool sodden and a bright man mad few men have sufficient brains to go crazy jimmy has he must stop the drink on the street danny encountered father michael the priest stopped him to shake hands how's mary malone he asked she is quite well new answered danny but she is not happy i live so close and see so much i know i thought of ye lately i thought of coming to see ye i'm not of your religion but mary is and what suits her is good enough for me i've tried to think of everything under the sun that might help and among other things i've thought of ye jimmy was confirmed in your church and he was more or less regular up to his marriage less mr mcnown much less said the priest since not at all why do you ask he is sick said danny he drinks a good deal he has been reckless about sleeping on the ground and knew if you will make this confidential the priest nodded he is talking about sleeping on the railroad and he's having delusions there are devils after him he is the finest fellow you ever knew father michael we've been friends all our lives ye have had much experience with men and it ought to count for something for all ye know and what i've told ye could his troubles be cured as the doctor suggests the priest did a queer thing you know him as no living man danny he said what do you think if you'd asked me that this time last year i'd a said it's the drink at a jump but times this summer this morning for instance when he hadn't a drop in three weeks and didn't want ain when he could have come with me to town and wouldna and there were devils calling him from the ground and the trees and the sky out in the open cornfield it looked bad the priest's eyes were boring into danny's sick face how did it look he asked briefly it looked said danny and his voice dropped to a whisper it looked like he might carry a damned ugly secret that it would be better for him if he at least knew and the nature of that secret danny shook his head couldn't i give a guess at it known him all his life my only friend always been together square as a man as god ever made there's no fault in him if he'd let drink alone got more faith in him than any and i ever knew i wouldn't a trust man on god's footstool if i had to lose faith in jimmy come to think of it that secret business is all old woman's scare the drink is telling on him if only he could be cured of that awful weakness all heaven would come down and settle in rainbow bottom they shook hands and parted without Donnie realizing that he had told all he knew and learned nothing then he entered the post office for the weekly mail he called for malone's papers also and with them came a slip from the express office notifying jimmy that there was a package for him 
Danny went to see if they would let him have it, and as Jimmy lived in the country, and as he and Danny were known to be partners, he was allowed to sign the book and carry away the long, slender wooden box with a Boston tag. The thread man had sent Jimmy a present, and from the appearance of the box, Danny made up his mind that it was a cane. Straight away he drove home at a scandalous rate of speed, and on the way he dressed Jimmy in a broadcloth suit, patent leathers, and a silk hat. Then he took him to a gold cure, where he learned to abhor whiskey in a week, and then to the priest, to whom he confessed that he had lied about the number of coons in the canoper. And so peace brooded in Rainbow Bottom, and all of them were happy again. For with the passing of summer Danny had learned that heretofore there had been happiness of a sort for them, and that if they could all get back to the old footing it would be well, or at least far better than it was at present. With Mary's tongue dripping gall and her sweet face souring, and Jimmy hearing devils, no wonder poor Danny overheated his team in a race to carry a package that promised to furnish some diversion. Jimmy and Mary heard the racket, and standing on the celery hill, they saw Danny come clattering up the lane, and as he saw them he stood in the wagon and waved the package over his head. Jimmy straightened with a flourish, stuck the spade in the celery hill, and descended with great deliberation. I mentioned to Danny this morning, he said, that it was about time I was hearing from the thrid man. Oh, do you suppose it is something from Boston? The eagerness in Mary's voice made it sound almost girlish again. Hunt the hatchet, hissed Jimmy, and walked very leisurely into the cabin. Danny was visibly excited as he entered. I think ye have heard from the thread man, he said, handing Jimmy the package. Jimmy took it and examined it carefully. He never before in his life had an express package, the contents of which he did not know. It behooved him to get all there was out of the pride and the joy of it. Mary laid down the hatchet so close that it touched Jimmy's hand to remind him. "'Now what do you suppose he has sent you?' she inquired eagerly, her hand straying toward the packages. Jimmy tested the box. "'It don't weigh much,' he said, "'but one end of it's the heaviest.' He set the hatchet in a tiny crack, and with one rip stripped off the cover. Inside lay a long, brown leather case with small buckles, and in one end a little leather case flat on one side, rounding on the other, and it too fastened with a buckle. Jimmy caught sight of a paper book folded in the bottom of the box as he lifted the case. With trembling fingers he unfastened the buckles, the whole thing unrolled, and disclosed a case of leather sewn in four divisions from top to bottom, and from the largest of these protruded a shining object. Jimmy caught this and began to draw, and the shine began to lengthen. "'Just what I thought!' exclaimed Danny. "'He sent you a fine cane!' A hint to cape out of his small back the next time he goes promenading on a cow-kitcher. The devil! exploded Jimmy. His quick eyes had caught a word on the cover of the little book in the bottom of the box. A cane! A cane! Look at that, will ya? He flashed six inches of grooved silvery handle before their faces, and three feet of shining black steel, scarcely thicker than a lead pencil. Cane! he cried scornfully. Then he picked up the box, and opening it, drew out a little machine that shone like a silver watch, and setting it against the handle, slipped a small slide over each end, and held it firmly, and shone bravely. "'Oh, Jimmy, what is it?' cried Mary. "'Me cane,' answered Jimmy. "'Me new cane from Boston. Didn't you hear Danny saying what it was? This little arrangement is my synclimeter, like they put on wheels and buggies now, to tell how far you've traveled. The way this works, I just tie this silk thread to my doorknob and off i walk with it reeling out behind and when i turn back it takes up as i come and when i get home i take the yardstick and measure me string and be the same token it tells me how far i've traveled and as he talked he drew out another shining length and added it to the first and then another and a last fine as a wheat straw 
these last gents i'm adding he explained to mary are so that if i have me cane when i'm riding i can stretch it out and top up me horses with it and betimes if i should ever break me old cane fishpole i could take this down to the river and there the books call it whip in the water see cane be jesus it's the jim dandiest little fishing rod anybody in this parts ever set eyes on lord what a beauty he turned to danny and shook the shining slender thing before his envious eyes who gets the black bass now he triumphed in tones of utter conviction there is no use taking time to explain to any fisherman who has read thus far that danny the patient danny the long-suffering felt abused how would you feel yourself the thread man might have sent twa was his thought the only decent treatment he got that nicked was from me and if i'd let jimmy hit him he'd have gone through the wall but there is never anything for me and it was true there never was aloud he said didn't bother to hunt the steel yards mary we went away it until he brings it home yes and by gum i'll bring it with this look here's a picture of a man in a boat pulling in a whale with a pole just like this bragged jimmy yes said danny that's what it's made for a boat and open water if you're going to fish with that thing along the river we'll have to cut down all the trees and that will dry up the water that's not for river fishing jimmy was intently studying the book mary tried to take the rod from his hand let be he cried hanging on you'll break it i guess steel don't break so easy she said aggrievedly i just want to heft it light as a feather boasted jimmy fish all day and it won't tire a man at all done unjoint it and put it in its case and not go dragging up everything along the bank like a living stump puller this book says this line will bear twenty pounds pressure and sometimes it's taken an hour to tire out a fish if it's a fighter i bet you the black bass is a fighter from what we know of him you can watch me land him and see what you think about it suggested danny jimmy held the book with one hand and lightly waved the rod with the other in a way that would have developed nerves in an indian he laughed absently with me shootin bait all over his pool with this he asked i guess not but you can't fish for the bass with that jimmy malone cried mary hotly you agreed to fish fair for the bass and it wouldn't be fair for you to use that when denny only has his old cane pole danny get you a steel pole too she begged if jimmy's going to fish with that there will be all the more glory in taking the bass from him with the pole i have answered danny you keep out cried jimmy angrily to mary it was a fair bargain he made it himself each man was to fish surface or deep and with his own pole and bait i guess this is my pole ain't it yes said mary but it wasn't yours when you made the agreement you know very well danny expected you to fish with the same kind of pole and bait he did didn't you danny yes said danny i did because i never dreamed of him having any other but since he has it i think he's in his rights if he fishes with it i didn't care in the first place he will only scare the bass away from him with the racket that reel will make and in the second if he tries to land it with that thing he will smash it and lose the fish there's a long-handled net to land things with that goes with these rods he'd better send you one now you'll have to jump into the river and land a fish by hand if you hook it that's true cried mary here's one in the picture she had snatched the book from jimmy he snatched it back be careful you'll tear that he cried i was just going to say that i would get some fine wire or mosquito bar and make one danny's fingers were itching to take the rod if only for an instant he looked at it longingly but jimmy was impervious he whipped it softly about and eagerly read from the book tells here about a man taking a fish that weighs forty pounds with a pole just like this he announced scat jumpin jehoshaphat what do you think of that couldn't you fish turn about with it inquired mary nah we couldn't a fish turn about with it answered danny now with that pole jimmy would throw a fit if anybody else touched it and he's welcome to it he never in this world will catch the black bass with it if only i had some way to put just fifteen feet more line on my pole i'd show him how to take the bass tomorrow 
the way we always have come to lose it is with two short lines we have to try and land it before it's tired out and strong enough to break and tear away it must have ragged jaws and a dozen pieces of lines hanging to it for both of us have hooked it time and again when it strikes me if only i could give it fifteen feet more line i could land it can't you fix some way asked mary i'll try answered danny and in the meantime i'll just be giving it twenty off my dandy little reel and away goes me with mr bass said jimmy i must take it to town and have its picture took to send to the thrid man and that was the last straw danny had given up being allowed to touch the rod and was on his way to unhitch his team and do the evening work the day had been trying and just for the moment he forgot everything save that his longing fingers had not touched that beautiful little fishing rod that boston man forgot another thing he said the dude who shindies round with those things in the pictures wears a damn dinky little pleated coat End of chapter seven